0: please visit our website at concordunited.org.
1: I uh, saw a cool picture, I think it was on Twitter this week. It was a viral picture, and we'll see if we can put that up there. I want you to take a look at it. Um, this is, is, that's Mount Everest, and this is a, a lower, <laughs> relatively speaking, a lower slope in front of it. And what you may or may not be able to see from where you're sitting is right in the middle, down below, there's some letters that give the photographer's name. There's a snow leopard there. This photographer had been trying to get a picture of this snow leopard for a long time and finally did. And what? And the reason I bring this up is because that little lower ridge where the snow leopard is standing, that's at about 18,000, 19,000 feet above sea level. Uh, so the photographer also had to be at eighteen or 19,000 feet above. He said he wasn't sure. Um, but it was as high as he or the snow leopard could go without help uh, because the air gets very thin there. And in, in the back, you see the full peak of uh, Mount Everest, which extends up past 29,000 feet. And snow leopards and people can do okay up to a point, but there's a point that starts at about 20,000 feet or so, and they call it the death zone. And from that point forward, it doesn't matter how much training you've had, even Sherpas who, who, grow, who, who grow up and live, they're the indigenous people in that area that live in these mountainous areas, and their bodies have learned to adapt to it, but even they can't live much above that. Uh, in the death zone... Uh, you have to have oxygen because the atmosphere won't support life. It's there's about one third of the oxygen at in the death zone as there is at sea level. Over, well, I think I think 310 people have died trying to summit. Mount Everest. That's that we know of. Uh, there are probably more before they kept records. There are some who might have made it but didn't get back down, and their bodies are somewhere frozen in the ice and snow. Some are being found now as things warm up a little bit. Some of those bodies are being found. Um, but it's, it's impossible to live at that altitude uh, because of the lack of oxygen. And it, it causes something that we call altitude sickness, and it affects the heart and the head. And And the reason most people die as they try to summit Everest is because of what it does to your brain. Yes, it does bad things to your heart. Mitochondria uh, are, are little organelles, these little... Things I don't know. Tammy's not looking over my shoulders. Tammy Bland uh, was in in the service in the first one. I felt so self-conscious talking in front of her because she knows so much about that sort of thing. But they are in your cells and they help transfer oxygen into energy. And at that altitude, they don't work very efficiently. And the heart starts to slow down and the heart starts to build fluid and will ultimately stop beating unless it gets some oxygen. What it does to the brain is even worse because it, if, if you don't lose consciousness, you lose judgment. Uh, and that can happen at lower temper, that, uh, lower altitudes. Some people say you can lose judgment in my office, and I'm actually accused of that all the time, but the altitude's not any higher there. Uh, but at any rate, it, it impacts your brain, and that causes a lot of the accidents. Sometimes people die up there because of, of, of falls. Often that's because of, of the oxygen deprivation in the brain. Sometimes avalanches, but mostly what kills people is the altitude sickness. If you've ever experienced that, it's very uncomfortable and it's hard to do much. We went to Ecuador a few years ago and did some work on the side of a volcano, which was about 11,000 feet. And many of us took a couple of days to acclimate. Some had headaches and a little dizziness. And and uh, some other side effects from altitude sickness, even at that, at that altitude. So it's, it's very difficult to survive in that atmosphere. Uh, and the only way to survive in that atmosphere is to have, if you will, a portable atmosphere, a separate atmosphere, and that's why starting with Sir Edmund Hillary and his, always want to give his Sherpa credit, Tenzing Norgay. Everybody talks about Sir Edmund Hillary, the first person to summit uh, Everest. His Sherpa beat him, you know. So we always want to give the Sherpa uh, credit as well. But they had oxygen, and that's why they were able to make it. And you cannot live in that in that environment without oxygen. And we're talking about this today because we're continuing our sermon series, Why Church? And today we're talking about, for the final week, growing in faith. And the reason we, we, we just keep talking about growing in faith is because we need to learn about this God who wants us to have hope. And hope is as hard to come by in the atmosphere we live in in this culture as oxygen is in the atmosphere at Mount everest, um, hope hope is the atmosphere in which disciples live and thrive. Hope is the reality of infinite possibility in the face of very finite limitations in our world. but hope in Jesus Christ. Uh, is, is rarefied air, if you will. It's a separate environment that we live in that we must have if we are going to live and thrive as disciples of Jesus Christ in the world. Oxygen, is the, is the, oxygen in the air is the climbers. It's how they're able to breathe when the mountain takes their breath away. The oxygen they take with them. Hope is the air we breathe when life knocks the breath out of us, and I don't know about you, but sometimes when I turn on my news feed or television, and I look at more, I look at my phone, and 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 it it can knock the breath out of you. There's so much division still. There's so much going on in our world that is so negative. The, the, the war in Russia, or, or the uh, Russia in Ukraine, as Russia continues to do what they're doing to those people there. Um, it's it's enough to knock the breath out of you. Jesus Christ brings the hope we need to provide, if you will, the air we need to keep ourselves healthy. So so what I want to do is take a couple of pieces of Scripture this morning and talk about how in the same way oxygen can keep our heart and head healthy when we're trying to climb Mount Everest or someplace that is in that danger zone, that death zone, that God's Word can do the same for us. It can be... It can be the difference in our heart and in our head, being able to survive in this atmosphere in which we live culturally that can be very challenging and can literally knock the breath out of us. So I want to read a little passage from Ephesians. Ephesians is a a book in the Bible written by Paul. He wrote uh, most of the, or certainly much, of the New Testament. And this was a letter he wrote to the church at Ephesus, which is in modern-day Turkey. And um, the church there was filled with both Jewish converts to i won't say christianity it wasn't christianity yet jewish converts to followers in jesus and also gentiles That's just you and me. Everybody who is a Jewish is a Gentile. And so that church functioned at a pretty high level. But Paul wanted to make sure they continued to work on the things that were threats to them. Because there were divisions in that church, just as there are divisions today. A lot of the Jewish followers wanted everybody else to follow the law as they did, as best they could, wanted them in some cases to be circumcised. And these Gentile followers in the church at Ephesus, had come out of pagan temples or no religion at all. And so they didn't understand. Plus, they were more uh, closely related to the Greco-Roman culture, which was pretty loosey-goosey when it came to morals. It was pretty much, you know, if it feels good, do it uh, in those days. Uh, the Jewish uh, followers were trying to trying to follow the law and be, be a little more strict. And so it caused divisions. Um, There was also great stratification in the church. You had the haves and you had the have-nots and you had a lot of layers in between. And that caused strife and enmity between these different people who were in the church at Ephesus. And so Paul, in his letter to encourage them early on, tries to refocus them because he knew that was a toxic atmosphere to allow to develop in the church and that people's spirituality, their spiritual life would suffer if not die in that kind of a toxic atmosphere. So he wanted to make sure there was an atmosphere of hope involved. So I'm just going to read one verse from Ephesians. This is near the very beginning in the first chapter, verse 18. He says this to them, these people who were dealing with division, dealing with cultural stratification, dealing with behavior uh, that in the eyes of some was not fitting. He said this, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glory and glorious inheritance in his holy people. And, And did you catch that? I didn't. I've read this passage many times. I didn't catch it till I was studying this week. Here's what the hope is. Early on, he's saying, here is your hope. It's the fact that you are all, he's talking to these Ephesians, you're all. No matter if you're Jewish, no matter if you're Gentile, no matter if you're a have or or a have not, no matter what your behavior is or how you see the culture and your participation in it, no matter what, you are all beloved children of God and are the same in his eyes. You, he says, are the riches of his glorious inheritance, his holy people. That's how, God descri- that's how Paul describes them. They are God's glorious inheritance. And he didn't want them to miss that. But he knew they would have to look with their heart and not just their head to take that in because there was so much separating them. And I don't know, but maybe, maybe there's a way for us to adopt that as we deal with all of these divisions in our culture. And their are political divisions, and they're have and have not divisions in our culture. There are so many struggles out there, divisions within the church for that matter. But what Paul is saying I think sounds pretty good to me too, and that is keep your focus on Jesus, who is your hope, who has brought you into the very heart of God and sees you all the same and loves you desperately. That is your hope. Keep your focus there. And sometimes sometimes before you try to figure anything else out, you just need to get your heart to buy in that things can Get better, and that you are important. I heard. Um, I think it was Jason Swain. He's a former Tennessee football player. He was a wide receiver, and he's on. He has a radio show uh, on uh, one of the local uh, sports stations. And I heard him talking this week about a meeting. They were talking about the seniors and and all the. All the the strife they've had of sticking with that team uh, through the different coaches and 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 you know the three and nine season two years ago and how rough it was, and when Danny White, the current athletic director, came on board, he didn't make a big deal out of this, but he had a meeting and he called all the seniors together, and he said, "I want to, I just want to hear from you. I want you to tell me how hard it's been. I want you to tell me how bad you hurt. I want you to tell me what I need to know." to show you that we are going to have a different program here and they met for 2 hours and apparently it was a very heartfelt conversation where the seniors felt free to say what was on their mind and apparently Danny White listened to them and um and they stayed you know a lot of those seniors a lot of the juniors a lot of the upperclassmen didn't stay but these these guys had stayed and and and, and we're the glue that has held the team together to create this team that we're having so much fun watching this year, if you're a Tennessee fan. And and I just think it's so so beautiful that that he called them together with no particular agenda other than sharing at the heart level and helping them understand that in spite of how of, of former regimes, where perhaps you weren't treated with the kind of respect you would like to have been treated with, that was then, this is now. it 's going to be different. We're going to respect you, we 're going to develop you, and we 're going to do everything we can to see that you have a future far better than your past. And it filled their heart. It filled their hearts with hope, and that was the hope that help helped them stick it out and be the glue that's helping stick this team together. It's beautiful. When a toxic atmosphere chokes our heart, receiving God's love clears the air. And sometimes, when we 're out in the world in this toxic atmosphere, and it can be, and we 're scared to death we all we all know the of the divisions and we all know I heard a law enforcement officer, I think it was actually the county mayor saying that one of his major agenda items for his second term is going to be dealing with the fentanyl and and oxycodone and and, and dr- a prescription drug problem that that continues to get worse in this area and and it scares us to death and our hearts can become deflated and it can feel toxic. But when we keep our eye on Jesus, we remember that there is hope beyond anything the world can show us. There is hope. And it creates this air that we breathe that helps us to move forward. Our hearts, our hearts need that hope that comes in breathing in the rarefied air of just being in proximity with Jesus. And what's one of the most important things about growing in faith? It's not just amassing information, though it's good to have scriptures in mind. It's good to remember those things. But the most important thing about our time we spend in devotion, in prayer, in worship, whatever we're doing, reading our Bible... It's because it puts us in proximity with Jesus, and it gives us a different atmosphere. It's different air, and it affects us differently. It's good for our heart. It's also good for our head. Um, We can get lost out there whenever our brains become so hope-starved because we care of wars that continue and this problem that continues and and this division. And we're having maybe problems at home with relationships or we're having troubles with our finances because of economic issues. I don't know what it is, but I know that all of these things can disorient us and can get us off the path. That happened to a young boy who became the king of Israel. His name was David, and he wrote a bunch of poems that we call Psalms. And listen to these two verses from Psalms. Psalm 25 cuz David though know, God said he was a man after he was a man after my own heart David got off the path man did he get off the path a lot but he always prayed to get himself reoriented with God. And so this is from Psalm 25 verses 4 and 5. Show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me. For you are God, my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. David was powerful. David was pretty smart. And David put his hope... Sometimes he would put his hope in himself, and that's when we get in trouble, is when we put our hope in some politician or we put our hope in some financial plan. And by the way, we need good politicians, of, of red and blue politicians, if you will. We need all of them, and we need financial plans. We need all those things. But if our hope ultimately is in that, we are going to get off the path at some point because all of those things and others will disappoint us. So we need to keep ourselves focused on God's word. And I was trying to think, how do I how do I say that in a way that is meaningful? Because I can blah, 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 I can just keep going. And then I thought, oh, look, a guitar. How did that get? That was nice of someone to leave a guitar. And it's plugged in, and it's got a strap and everything. I thought, you know... I could say, I could just keep talking, or we could sing a song that we've been singing in contemporary worship probably for 30 years. It's probably, been th- it's probably it's an old one. But I can't think of a better thing to do or say or sing than this song right now. As we think about living in this culture uh, that can become so toxic, and our hearts can choke, God's love can clear the air and this song maybe reminds us of that. So I want us all to sing this I'm gonna I'll sing it but I want you to sing it too and if you don't know it then just let the words flow through you and and hear it as a prayer. I just want us to sing this as a prayer.
2: This is the air I breathe sound. This is the air I breathe Your holy presence. Without you, I'll just sing this prayer. This is the air I breathe. Sing it again. This is the air I breathe.
1: Sing that again. This
2: is the air. This is the air I
1: breathe. Hope is the air we breathe when life knocks the breath out of us. So don't just collapse in a heap. There's hope. Our hope is in Jesus, He's always right here, right now. Give us mouth to mouth resuscitation if we need it. He is the air we need. When we stay close to Him, we will find pure, life giving air in whatever toxic environment we may be in. This is what He wants to give you and me. Amen? Amen. Let us pray. Almighty God, we thank you for rescuing us. We thank you for. Oh God, your word that gives us life and gives us pure, sweet air to breathe when the air around us sometimes is, is so harsh and so toxic. God, help us to fill our lungs with your word, with your love that comes to us through Christ Jesus. So we can then, as a climber, would would carry oxygen on their back to the very peak of the mountain. We would carry you and our spirits, keeping the environment healthy for us so that we may be healthy for someone else and we can show them that they don't have to choke in a toxic environment there's air that brings life and it's jesus in his
0: name we pray amen thank you for listening to this sermon from concord united methodist church this podcast is a ministry of concord united and we would love to hear from you to contact us please send an email to podcasts at concordunited.org with sermons in the subject line. For more information about Concord United, including worship times, service opportunities, mission efforts, and classes, please visit our website at concordunited.org. We also invite you to download and enjoy our daily devotional podcasts presented by the pastors and members of Concord United. Finally, we would appreciate it if you would leave a rating and a review of this podcast so that others can discover it and benefit from it.